Listener discretion advised by the sound contains salty language. So if you don't like that, turn it down now. No, now, like right now. Okay, let's start this fucking show. (laughs) From the Coast Salish land of Seattle, we're by the sound, your community invested podcast. I'm Sarah Mays, joined this week via Zoom by Chelsea Alvarez and Aisha Hauser. On this episode of the podcast, we discuss the ongoing violence of policing in Seattle and the rest of the United States. This is By the Sound. 2020 has been another painful year for our Black friends and family, and not just because of the disproportionate burden they face from the COVID-19 pandemic. In February, a black man named Ahmoud Arbery was jogging near his home in Georgia when he was chased down and shot by three white men in what appears to be a racially motivated murder. In March, a black EMT named Brianna Taylor was asleep in her home uh, in her own Louisville, Kentucky bedroom when she was shot eight times, murdered by police who had invaded her home. And on Memorial Day, a black man named George Floyd was slowly murdered in broad daylight by four Minneapolis police officers, while bystanders spent eight and a half minutes pleading for his life. This week, we also learned disturbing details of another murder, this time in Tacoma, Washington, where in March, a black man named Manuel Ellis was suffocated by police in a manner eerily similar to George Floyd's death. To protest police terrorism, thousands of Seattle residents have filled our streets in the last eight days, marching in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, demanding police reform, accountability, and defunding. In response to these calls, the Seattle Police Department has lashed out at peaceful protesters, repeatedly using chemical weapons, grenades, military vehicles, and indiscriminate violence against the public. As they threaten, gas, and terrorize the public, SPD, which has been under federal oversight since 2012 for unconstitutional police practices, has proven they remain as one of our city's greatest threats to public health and safety. As of this recording, made on Saturday, June 6th, Seattle's mayor, Jenny Durkin, has rejected nearly all of the protesters' demands after declaring several nights of curfew in a misguided attempt to suppress criticism of her white supremacist police department, which she sustains and grows. Now, Aisha, you've worked for many years as a religious educator. You're one of the only uh, spiritual folk in my life. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll ask you uh what message you might have at this um, for your friends and loved ones, um, especially here in Seattle, uh, but really everywhere um, at this time of such uh, great anger and fear and sorrow? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think the first thing is not to look away. I think one of the things that I'm learning I have learned and am learning in the context where I operate is um, there's a tendency, especially by white liberals who've had, who've been able to make oppression and intellectual exercise to keep doing so and like, and, and um, want to 
it's not that I don't, I, I mean, I would like to think no one's pretending this isn't happening. Um, rather that there's, there's, it's so overwhelming that uh, folks t- want to turn away and go right to comfort. And I, and, and I guess spiritually and, and, um, and even just for our, our soul and self-preservation, I don't think that serves us as humans. And I don't think it serves us as people to um, give in to hiding. And, and, and when I say hiding, I don't literally mean hiding. I mean, when people start saying, well, don't, don't paint everyone with one brush and not all, you know, it's good cops. And so of course I posted like, so why aren't the good cops arresting the bad cops? Like what, I mean, that to me is a form of hiding, like, you know, deflecting and not naming what is happening in truth. And so I think I was just watching Angela Davis, who was on a zoom panel with activists all over the country, which is amazing. Like I was just watching Angela Davis on a zoom call. Um, and, and she named, okay, so there's one, you know, what is in front of us right now on television is the police brutality that now it's just getting, they don't give a shit that they're being recorded. She said, and there's layers, there's healthcare we have to talk about. There is childcare we have to talk about. There's schools, public schools, there's um, community needs. This is what um, Leah talked about uh, on the show a few weeks ago is what does it look like to set up systems of community care? This isn't, this doesn't begin and end with even police abolition or prison abolition, it's we need to have the layered, layered conversation of transforming our system. So that's my not so short answer. Um, Chelsea, what do you think? <laughs> um, what do I think? Um, I mean, just jumping off of what you're saying, like if we look at the job that the police actually do and the like, services that people are suggesting, like the community, uh, community services that could be in place of what we ask police to do now, once you start taking down what other services could be doing safely, you start to see that the police don't actually serve any purpose other than terrorizing uh, Black, Indigenous, and POC communities. Like, the police started off as a slave patrol. And they have evolved to be little more than that. What do I have to say? I, have, I say fuck 12. I say defund and abolish the police. I say stop fucking around and end this shit on all levels. That's what I say. Amen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is, is that we, yeah, I mean, I but just, that's the thing. I just feel like yeah. saying anything else is a waste of everybody's fucking time. <laughs> you can't reform... You know what I mean? Like you can't well, form a exactly. giant pile of shit. It's going to stay a giant pile of shit regardless. Because it and was like, designed to be that. It was designed to be a yeah. pile of shit. So there's no it's reforming it. Exactly the way it was designed to work. Exactly. Our belief system works the way it was designed to work. And when you have things going around like this, um, I can't even remember what it's called. Bullshit D-Ray is pushing where it's like eight things we can do to reform the police. But then you have Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago saying like, oh, we already do those things. Okay, then we can say those things don't work. Uh, DeRay? You can't reform it. Yeah, DeRay. Um, many of our listeners won't know who DeRay is. DeRay McKesson, Blue Vest, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, police reformist. There are other things that I attempted to call him in this moment that I will not. 
Well, it, there was an article, and I could not, if you paid me, remember where, but that um, the Minneapolis police had actually um, also been an example of reform, how, why reform doesn't work, because they were doing all of that. And then somebody yeah. just posted that it was in San Jose, um, a black man who was working, I don't know, I'm, I may be misnaming the city, so forgive me, it is a city in California, was working on implicit bias with the police, and he was maybe hit with a rubber bullet during protests. So, yeah, yep. I mean, so we need to be having a different conversation. Yeah. NYPD banned chokeholds in the 90s and Eric Garner is dead. Like, it does not work. You cannot reform the police. People go into policing because they want to fuck people up, because they want to have power, because they're fucking asshole bullies. Police are given empathy tests as they go into training. And if they have too much empathy, they get shaken out. They don't want full empathetic people on the police force because they can't do their job the way it is designed to be done. There is no reforming the police. Policing is immoral. Full stop. And honestly, yeah, and that's, like, that's all I have to say about it. Well, it's not gotten less so is the thing. It's gotten more so. And now it's just yeah. brazen and yeah, getting recorded. Chelsea, you work uh, in, you work for a union. Um, Mm -hmm. Speaking not for the union you work for, but for your own self personally, um, what role would you like to see uh, labor unions play vis-a-vis police unions? Mm. Well, I think it's abundantly clear that police unions need to be decertified. and there is a rising tide in the labor movement toward pushing police unions out of, uh, for example, the King County Labor Council now has several unions advocating that we should no longer allow the uh, Seattle Police Officers Guild to be part of the organization unless they commit to um, becoming an anti-racist union. Um, there are other unions, other locals pushing the AFL-CIO to end affiliation with police unions. Um, and those voices are getting louder and there are more voices, uh, joining in with them. Um, I cannot speak for my union. I can say that like I am internally pushing where I can, but I think that labor unions, just like everyone else, have a moral duty in this moment to uh, break all ties with police forces, the same as the schools do, the same as literally every moral human in America. We all have a duty to end the travesty of policing, whether we can push for that inside of our labor unions, inside of our school districts, inside of our workplaces, like any any place that we have any kind of power, it is our duty to advocate for uh, breaking ties with the police. Chelsea, you mentioned this recent move by the King County Labor Council. A mere 18 months ago, the same union of unions essentially uh, became the reason that the police union, our local police union, uh, known as SPOG, the Seattle Police Officers Guild, was able to roll back accountability reforms. 
um, yeah. in a number of ways. They held a pep rally in front of the police department across from City Hall. They flooded yeah. council chambers while Seattle's progressives stayed complacent. Yeah. They rolled back reform, marching in lockstep with the police department. Do you have any yep. faith that this move this week, uh, demanding that, you know, basically the, the the police unions say that they've been bad boys, do you have in any faith that that's more than cosmetic or that it will be an enduring call for change? Honestly, I don't have faith that anyone that is new to the movement or that is, is this week adding their voice to the call to change, I don't have faith that any single one of them is doing anything other than trying to make themselves feel better. What remains to be seen is the longevity of anyone's commitment to the movement for Black Lives. And I will say that the, the MLK Labor's previous actions were abhorrent. They did wrong. It was wrong. And I think that asking the police to become an anti-racist union, they're doing what they can. But I don't actually think that anything less than a total abolition of the police is a place worth stopping. So, I mean, yes. Everyone has to, like, push where they can, and I'm glad that MLK Labor is where they are now instead of where they were 18 months ago. I think a lot of people are somewhere different now than they were 18 months ago. I mean, wouldn't you say the same? Yes, which is part of why I personally feel so little hope, uh, because 18... (laughs) Uh, because 18 months ago, um, it, it wasn't like a vastly different time for policing in America. It wasn't like Black Lives Matter just sprung into formation, like, you know, as a movement two weeks ago. Like, it, in the early 90s, you know, I, I, I'd been raised in a Republican, Mormon, white supremacist family, you know, taught in every way to believe that cops were the good guys, but that whole delusion was broken up by uh, watching Los Angeles police viciously, brutally beat a man and, 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 and then just get, o- get off with it, like with the most clear-cut, compelling evidence that they were a menace to the public. So, I, that changed my view of the police. And I've had nothing but, you know, a steady stream of evidence that nothing has changed. So, yeah, I personally have nothing but um, pessimism. After, think about the Rodney King, okay, after Rodney King, Bill fucking Clinton signed the crime bill. That was, in addition to all the shit, then we had, we militarized the police from a Democratic Mm -hmm. president. That was Bill yep. fucking Clinton who militarized the police. That's where that fucking came from. So not only did things not gotten better, it's been like, let's keep doubling fucking down. So yeah, I get your pessimism. Yeah. Um, I do. I think that this moment is radically different from that moment. And I honestly think that this moment is radically different from uh, previous, I mean, I kind of refer to them as flare-ups, partially because everybody's home. I think, okay, so, like, the 40-hour work week, 
like the the version of capitalism that we live under is designed to make activism extremely difficult. You don't have the time. You don't have the energy. People have the time. Right? <laughs> people have the yep. time. They have yep. the energy. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people are in the streets because they miss being around people. Like, they are not getting the, like, social juice that they have been used to, like, their entire lives. And I think that part of the draw, and maybe this is cynical of me, but part of the draw of getting out in the streets and protesting right now is that you get to be around a shit ton of people. And I have my own, like, anxieties about, like, how this figures into, like, the spread of COVID and, like, yada, yada, yada. But I do think that the way this is playing out is um, heavily influenced by people not having the, I mean, Asia mentioned earlier, like generally people want to look away. Where are you going to look? Our lives have been essentially put on hold. And now we have this very interesting combination of factors with the pandemic, which has also like brought the precarity of Black Lives in America to the forefront in a different way. We have this horrific, brutal, just profoundly cruel murder that people can see with their own two eyes. And we have uh, just like a president shitty beyond all imagination. And the way that these factors have come together to create this flashpoint, this very intense moment. So no, I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement didn't just like spring out of nowhere two weeks ago. But uh, in addition to that, I mean, because the Black Lives Matter movement didn't spring into fruition two weeks ago, people have been organizing and building around this for years and years and years. Things are different than they were in 2014 because People have been working to make it different. People have been building networks. People have been uh, digitally organizing in ways that simply were not possible in the past. Also, uh, and I had a I had a work training about digital organizing the other day, and um, one of the organizers in the the workshop was pointing out that their organizing right now is totally different and they're getting way more member involvement because it's been made accessible because they're having zoom calls so that people aren't having to like find childcare or like carve a huge amount of time out of their lives in order to be active, which like disability justice people have been asking for for years. So these things that have happened to make work and activism more accessible because people are working from home have had uh, really fascinating, unforeseen repercussions in making things generally more accessible for people who have been left out of workplaces and left out of movements. Is this all making sense? Yes. A hundred percent. And I actually a thousand percent agree with you that I thought that part of, it's kind of a weirdly perfect storm because I th- I, I, Chelsea had exactly the same thought. I'm like, I don't know that, I mean, yes, there would have been protests, but I do think people miss each other. 
And yeah, I think, I, think I, I do think the abject cruelty, I mean, I couldn't see more than five seconds, just even just the image of the video, but the yeah. abject torture and cruelty of it, you know, couldn't be denied. And then you have, there couldn't, I don't know. And I say this in seriously, I don't know that there could be a worse person president right now because he's not in charge. Yeah. He's, he, his fuck faces around him are because he's, you know, whatever. I mean, you can't, I can't even a little bit imagine. And so, you know, I have a friend I was texting with yesterday who's like, you know, either we're going to vote him out or we're fucked. And I'm like, actually, this isn't going to let up. If he yeah. fucking tries to become dictate, well, you know, we're already in fascism, but if he's like, I'm not handing this over to Joe Biden, whatever, I, this isn't going to let up. Like, where, where do people think it's going to yeah. happen? We're all just, you know. I mean, the, the only constant is change, right? The only thing that we can count yeah. on is change. Something I was uh, struck by in watching a documentary uh, about the 1918 flu pandemic was how those who were there, who remembered it, um, this this documentary I watched was made in the, the 90s, um, so there were folks still alive who did remember it. Um, and, and they said... the. Sh- most shocking thing about it was as soon as the flu ended, everyone seemed to forget. That there was like a mass collective amnesia about, you know, like people didn't talk about the pandemic anymore. They didn't talk about what they'd been through. And public health wasn't um, directly improved in any way that was related. And as I, I said earlier, Black Lives Matter isn't new. and. Do you believe that this is different, that the the moment we're having where people are, where Black Lives Mattering is in style, where people are coming out of their homes to protest and, and being more vocal, uh, do you think that will manifest and change the next time we're, say, looking at a city budget? I think part of that collective amnesia, the trauma response, I do. I think the more I'm learning about trauma and, and co- even collective trauma, I think um, it can go either way. Like when you read about the descend, um, the descendants of folks who survived the Holocaust, um, there's that response to trauma. There's hoarding. There's um, of of a lot of you know things and memorabilia because you could lose it. There's um, a different relationship with life, and then there's sometimes amnesia. Like we're never, and then there are some families like we're never going to talk about what happened with the Holocaust. So that's one is one thing that I think is a human response to trauma. I think the part that maybe, maybe might be different, and I don't know what different means, is there's a there's more and more people right now with nothing to lose, nothing or very little to lose because of the vast, vast income equality. I mean, talk about hoarding, the oligarchy that is, I mean, when you saw the, people are talking about looting of people breaking fucking windows. How about the $400 billion that people got richer in the 0.0001%? And the, what about that looting? Like the part of why I think this is taking hold all over the world is I think to Chelsea's point, people are sick of being at home. But I also think the vast, I think it's vast economic equality. I think what's happening to the environment even people who are climate change deniers know in their fucking heart and soul, something's happening. There's just no, to me that it's unbelievable that in their soul, they don't know because we're humans, we're, we're animals, we're, we're mammals. Um, so I think it's a conflagration of climate change coming to the brink, the pandemic, um, seeing someone tortured yet again by the state 
and then um, and then the income inequality that is global. And and I, and so either I mean it feels like there, there's going to be some aspect of if people give up, if the masses give up, then what what's left? Like what are we going to do? Give into the Hunger Games? Like then and then every fucking dystopian thing we've ever read is like, are we going to get? I mean what 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 alternative is there except to fucking fight like hell as much as we can to make this fucking different? Because it's in our hands. It can be different. It only isn't because we lack imagination and we've been conditioned into fear. We've been conditioned to respond a certain way. And I get that. And um, now, like, white people watching police doing what they're doing are, like, surprised. Go to the immigrant community. Go to the black community. Go to the Arabs who have been taken to fucking Guantanamo because they have a Muslim name. This has been happening. The police state's been here. But now it's affecting... Now it's impacting white people who've been able, white liberals, white white people who've been able to give themselves the the narrative that somehow this isn't about them, right? And so maybe what's different is there's a configuration um, that just is is so many uh, uh, circumstances that are different that are now it's like this fucked up Venn diagram: <laughs> police brutality, climate change, um, income inequality. Um, and here we don't have universal health care, so that's a, that's an added bonus here in the United States. So all a configuration, and it's all being recorded. And the piece, you know, I've said this for years. I mean, I'm sure other people have said it, but this is one of the things I've been thinking. The internet and social media will either save humanity or it will get us quicker to our demise. Like it can, and right now activists have been, I mean, fucking brilliant with social media, and and thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> fucking boomers are a little behind the eight ball. One can just be thankful about that. Um, so I don't know. So I think, you know, is it different? Sure. But I don't know where that difference is going to take us. I mean, I have children, you have children, Chelsea has children. I'd love to believe that something that we haven't imagined yet that will be better will happen. And the realist in me said, honestly, I don't know. Um, so that's what I think. I think this is different, and I don't know where that difference is going to take us. I can only, maybe the part of me that wants to be a faithful person, um, it's not rooted in God, it's rooted in humanism, that maybe we can appeal to our better selves, and maybe we can get past people's fear uh, of the other, and we could put down our fucking guns, come on, um, and that maybe we can win. I don't know. I don't, honestly, I don't know. I, I can only hope. Um, that's my long answer. <laughs> Thank you. That's well, one more vote for hope and faith. Um, good luck with that. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you, Sarah Mays. Okay, my kids just got home, so I gotta go. Okay. Um, thank you, you, Chelsea. Love you. Have fun. Yeah. Stay sane. Bye. 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 <laughs> By the Sound is an Ahoy Hoy Media production. Ahoy Hoy!